You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. Hey, this is Dan Savage, and you have successfully downloaded another installment of the Savage Lovecast, the weekly out loud, if not quite live, version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. If you want to record a question for a future podcast, 206-201-2720 is the number, and you download this every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. And I am not, unlike a certain senator from Louisiana, wearing a diaper. Hi, uh, Dan. This is Neil from Massachusetts. Um, my problem right now is I, I'm, I'm a heterosexual male. I've been dating this wonderful girl for a month. We've been having incredible sex. There's one problem. When I perform with her, I never come. But I last a long time, and she comes all the time when we have sex. And I can come when I masturbate, and I can come when I masturbate in front of her. But I just can't come while having sex. And it is a little of an issue, and she's a great girl, but we have amazing sex. Oh, yeah, I also had brain surgery, which might, I have, my left side is numb, so I also think it might have affected my penis, so, wow, you're really uh, dealing with a real uh, whack job here. Hey there, Neil, Uh, it sounds like you've got a great thing going uh, with Jamie there in Massachusetts, sounds like you guys have a really easy rapport, and you can talk about sex with each other, and talk about your sex problems, uh, such as they are, and have a sense of humor about it, sounds like you guys are even enjoying making this phone call. And shooting the shit with me uh, and each other about what you regard as a problem. Uh, you say you want to ha- be able to come while you're having sex with uh, Jamie Neal, and you know what? You are having, uh, you are coming while you're having sex with Jamie Neal. Uh, you are masturbating and you're ejaculating with her. You're rolling around in a heap. Um, I assume you're having penetrative intercourse and then having to finish yourself off uh, with your own hand. You are coming with her. You are having sex with her. Everything is working. Not quite the way you would like it to, but everything is working. And you need to stop regarding you needing to put a hand on yourself or Jamie needing to put a hand on you uh, as proof that your sex life is somehow irreparably dysfunctional or, or unsatisfactory. It's not. You know, there's a lot of women out there who need a little extra clitoral stimulation in addition to intercourse in order to come. You're just sort of the male equivalent of that. And it sounds like you may need just to have to accept that, uh, particularly as you've had brain surgery, particularly as you're numb on the left side of your body. Yeah, I think that probably has something to do with it. You do have a left side of your dick. And you just need to like be chill about it and accept it. You can keep working toward your ultimate goal if becoming orgasmic during intercourse is really what you want. You know, I'm not trying to minimize the, the, the psychological or sexual importance of like coming inside somebody. It's really important. It's really meaningful. And a lot of people find that kind of intimacy, you know, irreplaceable, particularly men. And all that's justifiable. But sometimes you get dealt a shitty hand and you have to play the hand you're dealt and you have to learn to love really the hand you're dealt. So I, I, what I want you to do is show Jamie how to masturbate you, show her the kind of stimulation that, it, that you need to get off, start doing some you know, stupid human masturbation tricks uh, that guys like you can sometimes do where you get yourself extremely close through masturbation and then you insert yourself for the last couple of strokes. You know, you're already going over the falls and then you jump in. And then you can come inside her. And those sorts of training wheels things may move you closer to the kind of uh, sex you want to be having where you're, you know, look, ma, no hands. Uh, you may never, ever ultimately get there, but you can get closer to it. You can simulate the experience. You can approximate it. Uh, but you need to keep having the sense of humor that you clearly have about this problem. Uh, but stop regarding it, I think, is a problem. Hi, Dan. I think I'm addicted to jerking off. 
I have no discipline when it comes to masturbation, and I need to do it usually multiple times a day. And I was hoping you could give me some reasons to stop because I'm kind of addicted to the death grip too, and I know that can't lead anywhere good. So if you could please give me some reasons at least to slow down, um, I think that would help me be more disciplined. Thanks. Man, if you're looking for reasons to stop masturbating or advice about knocking it off, you called the wrong fucking show. You really want Dr. Laura uh, or Dr. Phil or Dr. Somebody or Dr. Drew or some other idiot who thinks masturbation is going to make your head explode. Uh, the death grip, which you mentioned, uh, is a term that I probably need to define for some listeners. Uh, that's a style of masturbation that a lot of guys employ that can make them sexually dysfunctional later in life. A lot of young men will start masturbating and grip their penis so firmly and hold it so hard and really beat the fuck out of it that later on in life when they start having you know sex partners that aren't their own right hand they find the suckler uh stimulations provided by anuses or throats or vaginas even uh not quite intense enough for them you know they've really uh, desensitized their dicks which is why i tell guys to like beware of the death grip and the way you beware the death grip, not that you shouldn't you know, use the death grip every once in a while. That's what a hand feels like. But you want to also you know, vary your routine, uh, use a less firm grip, use a sloppy wet grip, use a grip that's uh, – use a lot of lube, I mean, by sloppy wet. And, and just mix it up, including like frottage. Like every once in a while, just hump the mattress. Don't hump the mattress every goddamn time. There are people who can't get off any other way but humping the mattress. You know, you want your dick to be able to respond – to different scenarios, different orifices, different levels of intensity, so that when you're grown up and you're fucking people, you can actually, uh, you know, have those look ma no hands orgasms uh, that Jamie and Neil were talking about a minute ago. Uh, now, your problem: Are you addicted to masturbating once or twice a day? No, you're addicted to masturbating. Not that you can become addicted to masturbating; you can become a habitual masturbator, but it becomes like quote unquote an addiction when it interferes with your life. When you're masturbating instead of going to work, when you're masturbating instead of giving your mom a call once a month, when you're masturbating instead of, you know, taking care of your kids, uh, making sure you're fed, when you're neglecting your personal hygiene, when your house is on fire and you can't call the fire fucking department because you got to like rub another one out first, that's addiction. You're not there. You're just beating off a couple times a day. You're a young guy. You probably should be beating off a couple of times a day. All young guys beat off a couple of times a day. Uh, which, but you want to do what you want to do, and you already defined it as a problem. You want to vary your routine. Don't rely too heavily on the death grip. Or come the blessed day when you have a sex partner, uh, you're going to have trouble then. Hello, Dan. Um, I've been dating the same girl for the past four years now. We're actually engaged to be married. We live smack dab in the center of the Bible Belt, even though I really don't put much stock in the whole religion thing. She does. She's one of those people who is into the whole technical virginity. She's willing to do everything except vaginal and anal penetration. Now, the problem that I have comes from when we first got engaged about a year ago, actually a little over a year ago in March. Right about that time, our sex life pretty much became non-existent. But unfortunately, things have just taken a turn for the worse. We've probably actually gotten physical we've been together one time in the three months that we've been living together. And I've told her that this is a problem, but she says that the problem is with me, not with her, that I'm never available to her, even though that's most definitely not the case. 
she just never seems interested when I bring it up. And so I'm just wondering, you know, what the hell should I do here? Is this relationship just something that I need to call it quits on, say DTMFA, because she's not willing to do anything? Is it my fault because I'm not making myself available to her? I mean, I, I think that I'm available, but for some reason she acts like it's all my fault that nothing sexual is happening. It just feels like I shouldn't get married if, this is going to be the status quo of our sex life, and if I'm going to be the one who has to take all of the blame for the uh, dismal state. Break up with her. Move out. Move to the town where you're going to grad school. End this fucking farce of a bullshit uh, relationship with a woman who is sexist, uh, putting all the blame on you. It's a, it's a, it's a really common like sort of sexist anti-male and you're not allowed to talk about anti-male sexism because then you're part of the great vast like paranoid straight male conspiracy out there you're in there with the o'reilly's and the rush limbaugh's talking about feminazis i'm not with them but you know often when there's some sort of sexual dysfunction in a relationship it's always the guy's fault and i've had this happen in savage love i've seen it in other columns like someone will write in a woman complaining about you know that, that she committed adultery that she cheated you know, blah, 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 because things are going wrong in her relationship. And readers will write me backing her up. Oh, yeah, it's his fault. Look what he did. He abandoned her emotionally or he wasn't there for her. You know, she had to cheat. And then a guy will write in. And this has happened. I've printed these letters side by side. The exact same circumstances, gender reverse, where the guy cheated and it's his fault. Because, oh, my God, he cheated. What an asshole he is. How dare he? Clearly, she wouldn't have been so withdrawn and withholding of sex. If he hadn't have done something terribly, terribly wrong that he didn't mention in the letter. But women who've written the exact same letter about going and finding sex outside the relationship because their husbands were cold or withdrawn or withholding, the husbands are wrong. And when a husband is, you know, endures the same thing from the wife, the, the husband's still wrong. The guy's always in the wrong. And people who particularly lean on this trope tend to be sex-phobic, fundy, weirdo Christian psychos and... Hardcore feminists who don't think a woman could ever do anything wrong, ever, in a relationship or anywhere else. Uh, you don't want to be, clearly, you value sex. Clearly, you think sexual intimacy uh, should be part of your marriage, part of your most intimate, you know, relationship. You are not going to be happy with this woman. The, the, the misery and the tension that's in your voice now, how clearly unhappy you are now, it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. It's not like marrying this sex-phobic, cold fish bitch is going to turn her, flip her switches and turn her into a passionate fuck machine who's going to keep you milk dry all the time. It's going to get worse. These crazy, some male, some female, it's not about gender, these crazy Christians who've had it beaten into their heads that God's going to fucking roast them on a spit in hell for a fucking eternity if they have sex before marriage but who will do anything but, including but, before marriage. Because, you know, God doesn't count oral sex. God doesn't count anal sex. God doesn't count frittage and masturbation. They have problems. They have issues. They have sex issues. They have sex and God issues. And you know what? As people get older, those weird fucking sex and God issues, if they're present, they don't get smaller. They get bigger they get worse it's like a cancer has been implanted in your wife's head that has destroyed her as an erotic destroyed her erotic imagination destroyed her 
potential to be a fully sexually liberated human being and have a fully sexually intimate relationship with whoever the poor fucker is that marries her. And you know what? It shouldn't be you. You know it. You you brought it up. I didn't need to bring it up. You're like, well, should I dump the motherfucker already? Do I need to DTMFA? Do I need to like not? Yeah. This is an instance where people people call me, people write me, and they say, you know, here's what's going on, and here's what I think I should do. What do you think? And nine time, 99 times out of 100, I have to go, you know, that thing that you think that you should do, I also think that you should do that thing that you think that you should do. So you have my permission to do that thing that you know you already need to do, that you've already kind of made up your mind to do. You seem a little shove. I'm giving you that little shove. Break up with her. Let her find some guy who shares her dysfunction, who's just as fucking crazy as she is about sex or not about sex, who is not going to miss the sex that he's not having and isn't going to be made miserable all his life by this woman. This woman, if you marry her, is going to make you miserable all her life. There may be somebody out there who she won't make miserable all his life because he's just as fucked up as she is. They need to run off together. The fucked up need to elope. You need to fucking flee. I just finished my answer to you, and I was about to go to the next call when one of the tech-savvy at-risk youth in the room said, she needs a closet case. It's true. She needs to marry one of those ex-gay fucking weirdos who never wants to get within 100 miles of her naked because he's a fag who worships God who's afraid God's going to roast him on a spit for all eternity if he fucking sucks dick, as if God cares. She needs to marry a fag. There's these ex-gays out there, and no one, no one will marry them. Whenever you get in an argument with somebody who believes in the whole ex-gay thing, some fucking Christian pastor somewhere, you just look at them and go, would you want your daughter to marry one? And they turn white. Because of course they don't want their daughters to marry an ex-gay because they don't believe there's anything ex about ex-gays. This woman is the perfect candidate for marrying off to an ex, quote-unquote, gay. Because he won't want to fuck her, she won't want to fuck him, and they'll be very happy together. You will be miserable with her. You need to dump the motherfucker already. Hey, Dan, I'm just wondering if uh, fellatio, a lot of fellatio, gives bad breath or not. I'm just kind of curious because I have some, I, I, I've encountered this before and I'm just kind of confused. I just wonder if it does or if it doesn't. You've encountered bad fellatio breath somewhere before? Or you're kind of vague, tried to call you, you're not home, so I'm just going to have to sort of fly blind here. Does a lot of fellatio give you bad breath? Um, not receiving a lot of fellatio, that won't give you bad breath. Uh, giving a lot of fellatio, blowing a lot of guys, I suppose that could give you bad breath, uh, provided you were blowing guys who had really poor personal hygiene uh, and then not showering, flossing, or brushing your teeth yourself ever. And, and on top of that, you know, forgetting to swallow, just leaving their cum sloshing around inside your mouth until it goes rants. No, you're not going to get bad breath giving blowjobs. Um, a reasonable amount of blowjobs to a reasonable number of people uh, at reasonably spaced intervals. No, you're not going to get bad breath. If somebody has is giving a lot of head and has bad breath... I think it's probably a coincidence because I know people who give tons of head who have very sweet smelling breath. So I believe there's no correlation, just a coincidence. If you have bad breath, caller, and uh, you give a lot of head, uh, you might want to look not to your sex life. You might want to look to your health and hygiene. 
Are you brushing? Are you flossing? Are you using mouthwash? Uh, do you have, uh, you know, you can get, giving a lot of head, you can get certainly certain sexual transmitted diseases in your throat and on your tongue. Uh, and so you might want to go to a doctor and get checked out. You know, maybe you have uh, some skanky gives a lot of blowjob disease uh, that I can't quite pull the name out of my ass right now. Uh, but no, no. In answer to your question, in short, which I never am, I'm never brief, uh, the answer to the question is no. Hi, Dan. My name's Chris. Um, I'm a gay male up in the New England area. Uh, about six months ago, I was diagnosed with HIV. Since then, I have been um, trying to date people as well as just a general hookup. And my question, I guess, is when is it? When should you tell someone that you have HIV? Uh, I have, you know, told people online. I've told people on the phone, and I've told waited till I meet people, um, and I've had various responses. And it's a little disconcerting. Sometimes I feel that uh, it might be misleading unless I tell them immediately. But then other times I feel that. You know, when is it that you're telling somebody too much? Um, I'd like uh, you know, talk to you about it. Uh, hey, Chris, it's Dan. Hi, Dan. I just listened to your uh, question, and I thought I'd give you a call. Um, I'm very sorry about your HIV diagnosis. Thank you. That's a bummer. Uh, however, you know, being a very, 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 very old fag at 42, uh, I can say to you better now than 15 years ago or 20 years ago. Thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, not a death sentence, really effective treatments. You need to look to your immune system. You need to take care of yourself. Uh, you need to make sure you have health insurance. Um, but you're in uh, a really good position to live long enough to die of something else entirely today that you wouldn't have been in 20 years ago or 15 years ago. Uh, yeah. However, you know, people are still spooked by HIV. You know, even gay people who should probably know better uh, who are taking risks uh, and know that they're putting themselves at risk uh, are sometimes, you know, irrationally afraid or vindictive uh, when it comes to disclosure. Uh, and you really do need to make, I think, a case-by-case -case, uh, choice and decision about who you tell and when you tell them. Um, can you tell me when and where you're sexually active and what scenario, um, you know, what are the situations in which you're, like, facing disclosure moments? Sometimes online, just from like uh, talking to people online to meet them, and then other times just meeting them at, uh, say, a bar or a social function. Mm -hmm. So either one of those situations, um, or even when the friends introduce me to another friend as far as meeting them for a possible date. Right. Well, I, I generally come down on the side of, uh, of full disclosure at all times. I just think that putting it out there... Um, and letting people know that you're positive, you know, and a lot of guys back at, you know, in the worst days of the AIDS epidemic, of the AIDS crisis, you know, got biohazard tattoos in prominent places, you know, on their shoulders so that anybody who saw them was like, oh, you know, in the gay bars, it was almost like a way of them saying, you know, if you can't handle it, don't even talk to me, get away from me. I don't want to deal with your grief or angst or, or, or judgment, you know, and it was a way of kind of like, these positive guys protecting themselves by, you know, having everybody who wouldn't consider dating them opt out before they started dating them. Um, and I think that's really effective. You know, there's no shortage of other pause guys out there to date. There's also no shortage of HIV negative guys who aren't paranoid and crazy uh, and who are willing to date guys who are pause. Um, you know, my last serious boyfriend before uh, Terry, the guy I've been with for a while now, was positive, um, and I was negative. So there's a lot of guys out there who can have that kind of relationship. You know, but, you know, the, 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 the dilemma, if you're going to, like, be hooking up online is, you know, a lot of people who you might be able to have a perfectly wonderful, 
uh, quasi-anonymous and completely safe hookup with are not going to want to hook up with you if you're positive. So you're kind of depriving yourself of their, you know, for what it's worth, company <laughs> uh, by by coming out. So that's a that's a place where you you know you're gonna have to make your own decision. Um, so long as you're not engaging in any activities in your you know online hookups that put anybody else at risk, you can sleep at night and be a pause guy and regard yourself as completely ethical. No, I, uh, I you know I have a head tendency is like if if I'm going to be putting anybody in a situation of risk of just telling them beforehand uh, that, okay, you know, you need to know before we do anything further that, you know, I do have HIV. However, you know, And what sort of reactions people, have you gotten? Um, most people are like, cool, thanks for letting me know. But then occasionally you'll have a person that was like, oh, my God, why didn't you tell me? And I'm like, okay, we've only had five sentences of conversation here, and I told you. You haven't done anything to put yourself at risk, so there was no need for me to tell you. And that's been hard to, like, understand uh, that kind of response. Um, you know, yeah, well, you, well, you, all you need to tell yourself at those moments is they're the assholes. Mm -hmm. You didn't do anything wrong. You did. Sure. You did the right thing, and they're reacting like a dumb baby. And you just need to you need to shrug those people off. As you know, that can be hard for a guy who's paused to shrug that off. You just need to shrug it the fuck off and be like, you know what? <laughs> Here, are your pants get out of my house. Mm -hmm. You're not mature enough for this kind of sexual activity. You know, if you're having, you know, anonymous hookups, and uh, I'm not so into them myself, and I don't necessarily recommend them, but you know, if you're having them, you're going to be having anonymous sex with people who are positive. And many of those people will be honest with you, and props to them, and some of those people will be dishonest and, and, and not tell you and put you at risk. Mm -hmm. You know, it's props to the POS guys who don't put anybody at risk, and and or also disclose and don't put anybody at risk and you know nothing but hellfire and damnation to the pause guys who don't tell people and put them at risk. Yeah, but the guys who freak out, you know, it's like fuck off, get get out of here, fuck off. You're not mature enough for this kind of sexual activity. If this is the way you're going to react, get out of my house. Another flip side of it is telling people that you're positive, and because you're positive, they want to bear back, whether or not they're positive as well. And it's, I guess uh, that brings up to me just a question of, like, uh, double reinfection. Is, is that something really uh, – you hear people say that's a myth or that's really a, a concern? Uh, so the jury is out on reinfection, and I'm not sure we're ever going to know what's up with that. Are you receiving medical treatment? Yes, I'm currently seeing a doctor. Um, and are you taking protease inhibitors and all the rest of that? Uh, not yet at that point. Um, so I'm just right now. I'm just monitoring my my numbers and going to the you know going to the doctors regularly for blood tests and uh, right. going to the gym. Well, you know those you should read up. I'm not going to like come down on one side or the other. The reinfection thing. Uh, I know if I was pause, I wouldn't be having unprotected sex even then, because okay. uh, there's other immune system battering uh, diseases and infections that you need to worry about. You know the idea right. that just because you're positive means you're not at risk for anything else, including you know. Once upon a time, we didn't know about HIV, and then it happened. Like, there could be something else out there we don't know about that we don't want to be incubating and passing around. Mm -hmm. You know, I think unprotected intercourse is for partners, and casual casual sex is, is uh, sex with barriers. But, you know, I'm an old-fashioned <laughs> fucking scarred by the 80s weirdo, yeah. judging by what's going on <laughs> online. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he laughs at me. I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, 
not. I, I contracted from a boyfriend who uh, either didn't know or didn't tell me one way or the other. But um. Oh man, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But uh, now I'm single. <laughs> now I deal with these issues. <laughs> yeah, and you're gonna deal with them for the rest of your life. And you know what? It's it's gonna get easier. And you need to be not ashamed of being pause, because everybody out there who's sexually active is at risk of becoming HIV positive, even people who are taking protections. Mm-hmm. You know, condoms break, things leak, uh, people lie. You know, this happens. Every one of us who's sexually active spins the wheel, and even I am at risk of my stupid relationship. You know, for all I know, my boyfriend is sucking every dick from here to Missouri and back every day when I'm at work, Right. Um, I don't think he is. Hopefully not. (laughs) But we're all at risk, and we all have to accept that certain amount of risk. And a certain number of us are going to get infected even doing all the right things. And you need to not feel as if you're living with a stigma. And the best way to convince yourself that you're not living, uh, you know, under a cloud or you're not stigmatized is to act like you're not stigmatized. And this doesn't stigmatize you. And insist that other people treat you that way. And so it's kind of like being gay and out and open about it. I don't think, you know, just like I don't think you should take pride in being gay necessarily, you just shouldn't take pride in being positive necessarily, but it's not necessarily something to be ashamed of. Your behavior is something to be ashamed of. If you're positive and infecting other people maliciously, that's something to be ashamed of. But you are not doing that. No, I'm not. Well, good luck. I'm really sorry for you. Uh, I'm bummed about it, you know. Nothing to be ashamed of, but it is like, you know, going to complicate your life, and I'm bummed for you for that. Thank you. Sure thing. Talk to you later. Take care. Well, good luck, Chris. Uh, and I want to thank everyone who called this week with their questions. If you want to record a question for a future podcast, the number here is 206-201-2720. And please include a phone number in case we want to call you back to follow up. Download the Savage Lovecast every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. And now I am running out the building to go see The Simpsons movie, uh, which I think everyone should see in diapers. Have a good week.